Welcome to this Kupinga Kohl Analyst Chat. I'm your host. My name is Matthias Reinwart. I'm Lead Advisor and Senior Analyst with Kupinga Kohl Analysts. My guest today is Alexei Balaganski. He is a Lead Analyst with Kupinga Kohl covering mostly cybersecurity, but not only cybersecurity. Hi, Alexei. Good to see you. Good to see you too, Matthias. And by the way, Happy New Year, since this is our first uh, episode in 2022, right? Exactly. This is the first episode for 2022. And I have some kind of throwback feeling to last year because we started the early episodes of last year also with a cybersecurity incident that took place in late December of 2020. Then we were talking about the SolarWinds incident and not necessarily the technical details, but what people could learn from it and where to start mitigating it, working on it. And I think we're almost in the same situation just right now when we look at 2022 or look back into December 2021. We need to talk about an incident that took place late December. We want to talk about the Log4j incident. Again, we don't want to talk about too much of the technical details, but nevertheless, what is it about? What has happened? All right. Well, first of all, you're absolutely right. Uh, we don't have to go into the technical nitty gritty stuff because it has been discussed probably a hundred thousand times, absolutely to the death. But here, uh, it was a really big accident, uh, which uh, happened, I, I believe it was discovered sometime at uh, mid December. And it's all about this, uh, well, log4j, uh, framework, obviously, which is, uh, simply put an open source library, uh, which is widely used, uh, in Java application development for logging purposes. Basically, anytime you need to write something into a file, into a log file, you would use this application, uh, this library. And here it has been discovered that uh, this popular open source library has a massive security hole. I wouldn't even call it a bug. It was like a massive uh, lapse of reasoning in designing that uh, library in the first place, because uh, essentially it has allowed uh, calling external URLs and loading external unverified uh application code and then executing it within the context of your application. Uh, Log4j is like the de facto standard for uh, logging in Java applications. And Java applications are still uh, the de facto standard for a lot of enterprise development projects. So probably millions, if not hundreds of millions of uh, servers and systems were potentially affected. And of course, everyone immediately wanted to know Am I affected? Is my neighbor affected? Uh, can I exploit it somewhere? And for some time, for a few days, like the whole internet went bananas. Like everyone was trying to scan uh, the whole internet, looking for this vulnerability. And at, uh, at some times, I, uh, I remember the security researchers were actually generating more malicious uh, activities in that regard than the actual hackers. And in the end, it was discovered that yes, uh, log4j uh, absolutely is a massive security hole. Basically, uh, every application which uses it directly or indirectly can be exploited. Uh, there is no protection against it other than uh, deploying additional security controls like a web application firewall, for example, or patching. And of course, patching millions of enterprise systems around the world is a huge undertaking 
and especially uh, so shortly before the Christmas, uh, the holiday season, it was a major uh, headache for lots of lots of security and IT people around the world. So if we ignore this headless chicken mode, many organizations have been in in the beginning of this crisis, really trying to find out, am I involved? Am I really a target, a victim of this issue? What would be from your suggestion as a practitioner and as an analyst, what would be your recommendations where to start, what to do when it comes to mitigating this threat? What would you recommend? Well, Matthias, I believe we agreed uh, not to discuss technical details, sure. right? Because I'm pretty sure if you Google uh, log4j mitigation, you will find millions of results. And quite a lot of them will be very thorough and very useful. So we do not have to repeat them. And again, kind of, uh, I guess, uh, if uh, you are affected, then you're probably already doing something anyway. It's been like three weeks already mm -hmm. since it was discovered. So if you are not doing... Uh, uh, anything yet, then you has probably been already hacked multiple times over. So here, uh, but I guess kind of, uh, we should probably focus on slightly more positive, if I may say so, consequences of this incident. Because you're absolutely right, uh, a year ago, the same thing happened uh, with SolarWinds. It was also a huge, massive scale uh, cybersecurity incident, which affected probably at least tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands customers potentially. And we also discussed the same thing, like what do we do next time? How do we prepare ourselves for, how do we basically prevent this from happening ever again? And it did not help, right? It happened uh, again and it happened on a much larger scale. But at least there is one silver lining behind this dark cloud that at least this time everyone is affected. Because last time we could just kind of relax and uh, watch other people running around screaming because we weren't using any software from SolarWinds, so we were safe, supposedly, right? This time nobody is safe because, as I said, millions of systems are affected. It doesn't just relate to enterprise servers. There is a lot of Java applications in every public cloud, in a lot of uh, embedded systems, which includes industrial devices and even home devices like routers, for example. Almost every uh, internet uh, routing device at home probably runs some Java code, so it might be affected as well. So this time everyone is involved and everyone is finally sitting up and taking notice. But this time everyone has to do something, which is to me a great thing. Because finally we have a common understanding that something bad is happening and everyone has to work on it to fix it. And this includes you and me and everyone else, not even just all the IT people around the world. Right. And it's also great to see that uh, some government agencies around the world are also responding uh, and not just by kind of uh, waving a fist in your direction, but actually uh, giving explicit recommendations and technical guidance on how to fix this problem. But also, for example, uh, I've just read an inter interesting article, uh, FTC in the United States is basically uh, giving out advice that if you don't fix this problem, there will be uh, financial fines. So uh, compliance kind of is stepping in. And let's hope that kind of the third time the charm and uh, 
if uh, a comparable vulnerability will be discovered somewhere else, it won't affect as many companies. Right. When you talk about lessons learned from this, first of all, how well did we? We are operating infrastructure for Kupinger Coal analysts as well. And you are also involved in the technical parts of that. Not talking again about the details, but how much Java did you find in our back office and our systems? Were there really immediate measures to be taken or were we safe? Well, I have to say this time we got very lucky indeed because we did have a few Java applications uh, running in our systems earlier last year, but we had made an executive decision like mid-2021 to actually decommission them all way in advance of this uh, discovery. I, I believe one app we had was like 15 years old, N not uh, being updated for years. So it was just common sense to finally decommission it and actually kind of migrate all its functionality to a cloud system. At least uh, if a cloud service is uh, affected, it's no, it's no longer your job to patch it which is great. So in the end, of course, we had to run some uh, scanners. We had to check our infrastructure, but we found just zero uh, Java code, period, not just log4j. Okay, good, good to hear that. But if we ignore the Java side of things, we are talking about open source software that is deployed in, in various scenarios at the different levels of an infrastructure, as you've described, so that we have that built into applications directly, but also used by components, used by other applications, and so on and so forth. So if we ignore the Java part, could that happen next week with any other not so well maintained or not well documented or well understood component in any other open source framework? And if this is the case, What to do there? Yes, you're absolutely right. It actually, uh, and again, kind of ignoring Java part, we should probably also kind of uh, ignore the open source part because it can happen with any code. Kind of, but uh, you're absolutely right uh, about uh, kind of open source or rather uh, this completely false understanding of what open and free software actually means because uh, many people still treat uh, the so-called free software as a synonym for free as in beer, right? So like software you don't have to pay for. And of course, uh, it should be clearly understandable to everyone that uh, free cheese is usually found in a mousetrap, right? So uh, you cannot just take something for free, not giving anything back, like for example, supporting uh, for the development of that open source project, helping uh, those poor and underpaid and understaffed maintainers to actually fix the bugs. Well, you will have the same problem over and over again. And actually kind of open source uh, is actually much better in that regard in that you can actually fix it yourself if you have the capability. If for example, next time uh, a similar scale problem will be found in a commercial piece of software, which you actually cannot fix yourself, then you will have absolutely no other choices but just kind of wait the vendor themselves I fix the problem. Uh, but with uh, Log4j specifically, it was really kind of uh, almost tragic to observe like how many people actually working on this project at the, at the time, like two or five. And there is a, a huge uh, queue of millions of developers around the world basically standing around cheering, yay, give us another patch. 
And I believe in three weeks, we already had like five different versions released. And uh, it's still not over yet. I mean, there are new, slightly smaller, but still kind of relevant vulnerabilities being found again and again. And it's just in log4j. I believe even our small or relatively small scale Java application I mentioned earlier use something like 50 different open source Java libraries. Like what about the 49 other of those? Right. So the focus should be on code quality, on, on code quality assurance, no matter where code comes from. So really Absolutely. making sure that you understand what you're running, where it does come from, and how do the to maintain the desired level of security. You need to have that assured either by yourself, if it's open source, or by the vendor when it's a commercial software. But in the end, you do not only need to trust, but also control and manage and understand what's really going on. Yeah, I guess uh, kind of the, the biggest takeaway here is that uh, software supply chain security is not something which uh, one party can fix. It, should, it cannot be trusted uh, that vendors themselves will fix it. We cannot also rely on open source alone, at least not until we actually put a lot of money into that open source development. And of course, we cannot just uh, expect that the governments, the regulations alone will fix it. So yeah, what FTC does now in the US, what other uh, similar uh, agencies uh, are kind of putting out now around the world, it's great. Compliance uh, is, as always, uh, I mean, compliance exists not to make your life miserable. It actually exists to make your life easier. And we all should understand that. But only through this kind of combination of these collective efforts, you can actually address uh, challenges like this. Right. Because again, uh, if you think about the scale of this uh, log4j uh, problem, it's like, I mean, imagine that tomorrow you uh, wake up and learn that like, uh, half of all the doors around the world can be unlocked just by yelling at them. This is what happened with Log4j. Right. And you cannot do anything because, well, the only uh, way to fix it is to replace all the locks. And you just don't have enough locks around, right? Understood. So you have to focus somehow that this next time this happens, you at least come prepared. And I think this is an opportunity to mention that uh, great blog post, which our colleague Mike Small has written sometime earlier, and which you can find on our website. And again, he wasn't focusing on like how to fix the log4j problem. Because again, the problem is just one symptom, and it's not over yet. But he asks a lot of questions, like how well were you prepared? Could you identify the risk in time? Uh, do you have uh, like already the software dependency catalog and stuff like that? Basically, these are the right questions to ask to check how well you are prepared for the next log project. Right. I think, as you said, that's an excellent blog post that really helps you also in understanding your own lessons learned and lessons to be learned from a security perspective, from a compliance perspective, on a mapping of your overall software landscape perspective. So, but on the other hand, I think it's really important to understand, especially for larger organizations, which just consume code, no matter where it comes from, that they should take security, not for granted, but that there is something to contribute back, to give back, to spend money on, 
to improve security. If it is community stuff, then give money, time and effort back also to the community, which then leads ideally also to improved cybersecurity posture globally. So it's the management part, as Mike has written, but it's also the software development part, the software maintenance part, to really contribute also to improved cybersecurity overall, because improving Log4j, as you mentioned, would have helped all of these 50% of all doors being able to be opened. Contributing here really helps in improving the overall infrastructure as a whole. And any other suggestions from your perspective that you would like to highlight when looking at this issue and the lessons learned and how to continue from here? And again, I think we should kind of try to emphasize again and again, kind of, it's not about technology. It's not about cybersecurity even. I mean, cybersecurity in the end, it's, it's always a matter of trust, right? And trust is always mutual. Like if you expect someone to basically protect you from a threat for free, it just doesn't work like that. I mean, we live in a capitalist world. You cannot expect that millions of uh, companies around the world that make billion, billion of dollars uh, in whatever IT-related stuff uh, depend critically on two guys uh, doing an unpaid maintenance of some uh, obscure open source software library. Just life isn't fair. It has to be changed somehow and changed profoundly. We have companies like Red Hat, for example, or some other uh, open source based companies, which actually turned that uh, philosophy into a pretty profitable business. This is the way, right? So until uh, we somehow fix this inequality in software development, nothing will change. So it's an ethical problem just as much as, if not even bigger than a technical problem. Absolutely. And that's a great summary and also a great call to action, actually. We will link to the right. blog post that Mike has provided because it really covers very thoroughly all the other aspects that you mentioned and also gives the audience some material at hand to, to challenge themselves. For the time being, thank you very much, Alexei, for joining me for this first podcast episode in 2022. And I'm looking forward to having you in further episodes very soon. Well, thanks for having me, Matthias. And really, let's hope that the rest of the year will be less eventful than the beginning. Yeah, at least less incidentful, right? Right, um, right. Okay, thank you very much and bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay,